Want a little pick-me-up this winter? You need to try drink LMNT. This is the drink I've been raving about. Get electrolytes without the junk. This stuff has no dodgy ingredients. No gluten, no sugar. But who cares about all of that? It tastes really good. Comes in these little portion-sized packets. You can pour it into your water bottle, anything. Easy to tear. You control the portion. Some people only put half. And they've got a no-questions-asked money-back guarantee. That means you should go for the Element Insider Bundle. You pick four boxes. Grapefruit salt's got to be in there. I've been telling you guys, this. I don't even like grapefruit. This is my favorite flavor. Boom. Watermelon salt, yep, that one too. Orange salt. The fourth one, I mean, these are just my own personal preferences. Some people love mango chili. I think you can make a margarita out of that one. Citrus salt. They've got some new chocolate flavors. Check it out. Let'srun.com slash drink is the easiest URL to remember. Link in the show notes. Check it out today. And you need this stuff in the winter. Forget about Rojo's comeback. I'm the athlete at this operation. The other day, no, oh no, I wasn't out running. I walked in the house and my leg cramped up and I immediately thought, oh my gosh, I'm not drinking my element as often in the winter. Shame on me. Try it today. Let's run.com slash drink. Welcome everyone to the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast. Tons to discuss for you in this week's episode. The American record went down for the third straight year at the Houston Half Marathon. This time it was Wayne Kaladi who debuted in 66-25 in the women's half. We'll talk about that. Plus Galen Rupp ran 62-37 in his final race before going for a fifth Olympic team in a few weeks in Orlando and Ethiopia's Satume Kabede upset Helen O'Beary to take the women's title in Houston. Plus, Scott Farmer will be moving a little bit further down the road to Paris list after the Houston Marathon results are factored in as well. We'll dive into everything from Houston a little bit later. Before that, we're going to try to make sense of the insanity that was the Valencia 10K, where Agnes and Gedich of Kenya destroyed the road world record by running 28.46 for 10K on the roads. That's right, 28.46. We've got a little bit of an update on her backstory, exactly how this race came together. We spoke to her agent about it. Plus, with just over two weeks away, from the 2024 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. We're going to break down some of the major contenders and storylines as we edge closer to the race. This is Jonathan Galt. I am joined by Robert and Weldon Johnson, co-founders of Let's Run.com, co-hosts of this show. Robert is getting ready for a big playoff game this weekend in Baltimore. Weldon is not getting ready for another playoff game in Dallas. His beloved Cowboys have been eliminated and heartbreaking. For, well, I wouldn't say heartbreaking. It was an annihilation. The game was never close. But, well, then, um, are you doing okay? Are you okay to pod 
today after what happened in Dallas on Sunday? Sorry, guys. I'm a little unprepared. Just keep checking the phone for the alert to say that Coach Mike McCarthy has been canned as coach to the Dallas Cowboys. Still hasn't happened. I'm following this as closely as I was following caught in gay at Harvard. I, I think it's just a matter of time. It, it'll end up in a similar situation, but I, I also discovered the Cowboys, another successful season. Once again, just leading the way we're the, uh, there's only one team with more victories the last three years in the Dallas Cowboys, apparently at least regular season victories. Congratulations, Kansas city chiefs. Houston is still in the playoffs. At least we won the World Series. That's all I got to say. Yeah, the big stat that's getting a lot of play this week, Weldon, is the Cowboys are the first team to win 12 games at least three seasons in a row and not even make it to a conference championship game. So they're making history. The historic 2023 Dallas Cowboys. So congratulations to that. Speaking of other history, we had some... We had an American record over the weekend in Houston. We had a world record in Valencia... This was one of those moments. It's like when Robert woke up on the morning of the Berlin Marathon and sees 211 on our homepage. He's just like, what does that mean? Why are we talking about it? It's like, oh, a woman ran that time. I had something similar. I woke up on Sunday just before the Houston half was about to go off. And I see all these notifications and they're talking about 2846. I'm like, 2846, it's kind of a, you know, it's a, all right guy for all right time for a man, but you're not making any waves. And it's like, no, a woman ran 2846. Another woman ran 2857. I was like, I don't have time for this. I'm supposed to be focusing on the Houston half marathon and Galen Rupp's running. And now my mind has to comprehend a woman just running 2846. I still don't totally understand it. Hopefully we'll break it down. Maybe add some context, but Robert, what was your thought when you saw this time? Agnes and Gedich, 28-46 world record at the Valencia 10K. Confusion? Shock? I was like, who, who are these people? Like, is this someone prominent? And then I looked her up. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw, I thought I kind of recognized the name, to be honest. And this is a woman, World Cross Country Bronze. She's 22 of years of age from Kenya. World Cross Country Bronze this year. Also sixth in the 10,000. At Worlds. But it just, I was like, wait, is the course short? Then I saw it was in Valencia. So I'm like, I don't think it's short. And then I saw that the men's times were there and they kind of made sense. I was like, okay, you know. And thankfully, my my parents were in town. We had a snow going on. We had a lot going on. I I didn't really have time to analyze it too much because it would have confused me. I did admittedly immediately take a look at like the rest of the results. Maculate and Yango, 23-year-old Kenyan, who was second. I definitely had never heard of her. And I don't know, but then it became as I've got as my parents have left town, I've got some more time to analyze this. It's kind of exciting to me to like sleuth around and try to figure out what's going on. And I think John. He's always understated British guy. He's hiding the lead here. John has just gotten off the phone with people close to both these women. He's going to share the inside scoop right now on the last one on Talk podcast. And I'm feeling a lot better about things from having a 
30-second conversation with you, John. So as we were getting ready for the show about an hour ago, we were like, what do you want to start with, blah, blah, blah. And we, I said, well, record. Like, what do we know about these women? And John's like, well, let me see who her agent is. And the good news is her agent is one of the good guys in this board and wants someone that John has a decent relationship with. So John got on the phone, called him up. What have you learned, John? So Anderson and Getich, her agent is Davos Sevilla. And he was happy to talk about this. And his explanation was essentially a few things. His, his claim, he says, look, this is a generational talent. You might not have noticed her, but she's been posting some fairly impressive results recently. And obviously, 2023, she had a good year. Like, 2023, World Cross Country bronze medalist. Then in September, she ran a 29-24 at this Brazov race in Romania which everyone thought at the time was a women's only road world record. Turns out the course was about 25 meters short. Still, it's about 29.30. Then in Lille, in France in November, she runs 29.26. This is obviously another step forward, 28.57. So, oh, sorry, not 28.57, 28.46. It's a significant jump from 29.26. I said, how do you explain that? He said one, a few things. One, until about the middle of 2022, she was still in school in Kenya. She wasn't training seriously. She had a contract with Adidas. but And she was racing, but it's not like she was a full-time pro at that point. She wasn't doing full-time professional training. He said that changed in the second half of 2022. She moved to Iten. She's with uh, a coach from Davos agency his name is julian de maria you may know him as kip evans on twitter uh he also coaches Viola cheptu Abel kipchamba uh joan shlimo mary melly you know a few top uh kenyan based athletes and he said that was one thing is she's now training like a professional she's based in a 10 she has access to better facilities all that sort of stuff training partners then he said these other two races she ran last fall you know his claim is she's been in the same sort of shape for about six months. And this one, instead of running on her own, instead of having a wind, he said in that Lille race, the winds were like 30 to 40 kilometers an hour. This time it was perfect weather in Valencia. She had male pace the entire way. She was finally able to, you know, run the time he thought she was capable of. And that's his explanation. There are some complicating factors here. One, I mean, one is the shoes. Obviously, people say, oh, the shoes, you're they're improving times. It might be the point where the 10K, the roads are even faster than the track. The other question that was I saw raised pretty much any post about this race on Twitter, I saw the replies. Everyone's just like, has to be doped. You can't, you can't be improving a world record by this much. The world record on the track is 29.01 by Latessa Betguide. They're saying, how can this woman who until last year, was basically unknown, run 15 seconds faster than G'day. It doesn't seem possible. So that is obviously, it's obviously a possibility. We can't discount doping from a time like this. But And I asked Davor about that. 
And he was ex- explanation was, look, I don't know. I, I, I think she's clean. He believes he's offered to have his athletes surveilled 24 seven. He's like, I don't have anything to hide. I want this. I want doping to be solved. I don't know what to tell you. He believes that she's clean, but he's basically like, look, I don't have anything to hide about this. The other thing I should note about Davor, he is the agent of Ronex Caprudo, who's again, former, he's got the 10 K world record in the men's race for this distance. He's currently suspended, provisionally suspended for athlete biological passport violation. That pro- that case is still ongoing. The next step there is a disciplinary tribunal. Davor, if you remember a while ago when Kibruto was suspended, he came up with this 10-page press release basically saying, like, we believe in him. His coach brother, o- Colm O'Connell, believes in him. People are obviously going to say, wait a minute. This guy is the agent of this of Kipruto, and he's banned, and now he's got another athlete running this ridiculous time. No, John, no, 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 no. I got to interrupt. This is the longest monologue I've ever had. No one does that with Jerry Schumacher. Very few people think, oh, all of Jerry's guys are doted. The fact that this is her agent makes me think she's less likely to be doted with Jerry because he's not a guy that has a history of a lot of doping positives. And the one person that has tested positive, he and the famous coach, call him Brother Colm, are like, this guy's clean. So, and they don't, they I, don't have the same coach, to be clear. Uh, and get yeah. and uh, Kiprudo, different training camps. But look, he when you called, make a long story short, when you told me that he immediately said she's a generational talent, I felt good about that. And this is a, you know, and if you looked at her times, I mean, people, oh, you can't, some of the stuff you can't improve a world record by that much. BS, of course you can. Like 31, 20, 20. This doesn't sound crazy. If you had some college guy, 31, 20, 30, 30, 29, 26. 2846. That's your improvement over the last four years. Now, normally when you're getting your world record, you don't improve that much. But I've seen plenty of college guys between the age of 18 and 22 improve in that rate. That's number one. But, but my, my second thought here is, well, first of all, she, the generational talent, back to that. She's 22. She's been with Adidas for seven years. So they obviously recognized her talent. It's 15. So that's interesting. And then what could explain it? Obviously, doping could be a could could, could be a factor, but I, I don't understand it. Like, so is she on a drug that's way better than any else drug that anyone else would be on? That never makes sense to me. Or was she not on drugs until recently? You know, it is weird that you know she was running the Paris Diamond League runs what fourteen thirty six. That's her PB this year, and then she goes through the five k in fourteen thirteen. I can see why that's shocking to people, but to me, we had this conversation. I can't remember what race it was a couple years ago. The roads are faster than the track. There's a reason why these moon shoes are banned from the track. They're much faster. So, you know, what we've, what based on what we've seen, I think that the track world record should be faster than 2901. You know, it's not run that often. Like, is it still shocking that she ran this? Yes, absolutely. But I guess the more I think about it, I think there's more meat in the bone in the 10,000 world record. Well, the weird thing about this race, Robert, Agnes and Gedich, I had at least heard of her. Like, this was a shocking result to me to break the world record by that much. But I look at second place. Someone I've never heard of before this race. Thank you, Immaculate and Yango is running 28.57. So then I'm like, wait a minute. Either this course is short, which I don't think it is because the times while fast on the men's side were not crazy. Like, Jacob Kiplimo 
won it in twenty six forty eight. If anything, that's slow for someone as good as Kip Limo. Uh, I, I'm just thinking: is in a vacuum? Do I think Agnes Ngedic is eleven seconds faster than Immaculate and Yango? Absolutely. I just don't think. How, then I'm, the thing that doesn't make sense to me is how is someone called Immaculate and Yango who has really no record of success uh, that would indicate a time like this. How is she doing this? Because she was second in that Lille race last fall in 30.01. Okay, if it was windy there, maybe you knock off a bit. But to go from 30.01, which was easily her best performance of her life to that point, to then go to 28.57, faster than any woman on earth has run for 10,000 meters on any surface, apart from Addison Gedich. Like, how does that make sense? It doesn't make any sense. I agree with you. But in some ways, it makes me feel better about adding this run because I would expect her to beat Immaculate and Yangi by more than 11 seconds. Way more. You know, and so let's go through the, the, the resume of Immaculate and Yangi, the runner up here, 28. What'd she run? 28.57. You talked about her running the wheel race. That's the only legitimate good race I've ever seen from her. 30.01 on November 18th for 10,000. Okay, good road time for a 23-year-old. But let's go back to what she was doing on the track in April and May of this year. Sixth in Nairobi in April 29th, 1545 PB. Then she runs 1522 for second place, May. And then 1540 for seventh place in Anjuhar. 1540 on May 26th. Now she's running 2857. She ran a 10,032.51, which she did win. But... Yeah, like, but the, to me, the fact that these two women are from different camps, if, if the men didn't run this race and this was a women's only race, I would just assume that it was short. Yeah. But I'm assuming they're running in the same race at the same time as the men. And we haven't heard any, by now you'd hear about GPS shortcomings or something like that. And the Plymouth's time is short. So, God, I, I, I was going to go with the theory that Agnes Ngedich is just a, a generational talent, and her arrival on the scene wasn't normal in the sense of, you know, normally these people are sort of the biggest stars, I think, are picked for stardom at 17, 18. You can tell the world junior cross-country champion becomes the, the, the superstar. Now, it didn't happen that way for Mo Farah. It didn't happen that way for Kelvin Kiptum, and maybe that's here. But the, the runner-up does make it more confusing, but at the same time, it makes it Better f- for the world for 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 Ingetich, I think, but I, I don't know how this other woman ran that fast. But I, I, I think I, I think the the biggest takeaway for me is the shoes are definitely got to be faster than the track, and this is good news. Like it, it's a shame to me that th- there was a great post, a great question on the message board. By the way, if you've been to Let's Run.com forum, you're missing out. The world famous forum, Let's Run.com slash forum today, but. Grant Fisher's coach, after our interview with Grant last week, Grant Fisher's coach was on there posting hundreds of words in great detail about his training. And one of those questions, for, someone responded with a question and said, hey, you know, Grant's skipping world, basically World Cross and World Indoors to go try to run a 10,000-meter 10, time, which he needs. And, uh, and I think it's just sad that the sport's set up that way. But someone said, hey, did you think about going to Valencia? And I th- really hope in the years to come, people just start going to these road races be cool if he was in if he was in Valencia, and I think it's faster than the track, and you've got a lot of people to run with. 
So, you know, moving forward, let's hope that's the case. But, you know, uh, the again, the, the two different camps, two different coaches. What, what are they all? Are they both on the same drug that no one else knew about? No, that doesn't make sense to me. Now, the fact that they're both from Kenya does make it more suspicious because there's been a lot more Kenyan positives and Ethiopian positives. But to me, I, I, I don't believe that Kenyans are doping at a much higher rate than Ethiopians. I, I don't have a good explanation for that. Yeah, they, look, we're trying our best to make sense of it. The other thing, Immaculate and Yango, I talked to her agent, Hussein Maki, and I was like, how do you explain this? He's like, well, she wasn't that far behind in Gittich and Lille. You know, she was she was further behind in that race than she was in this one. But he's like, you know, she's been racing her back and forth. I shouldn't think she beat her in a cross-country race. He also claimed she changed coaches in 2023. This is Um, She's working now with Ken Rotich and James Qualia, the former world championship medalist from Qatar. They're in E10. And he did say those races in Spain, he thought it was possible, the ones where she's running like mid-15 minutes on the track, he thought it was possible that she was actually supposed to be a pacemaker in those races and ended up just staying finishing them. But she's the one, she, like apart from that Lille race, she really has very little on her resume to suggest anything remotely close to 28.57 as possible. And Gedditch at least has some wait, 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 wait. world-class performances. I wasn't listening that closely. What did you say about Qatar? I said her coach is James Qualia, who is a Kenyan-born Qatari athlete. He was a world championship medalist in 2009 in the 5,000 for Qatar. Should I admit it? When I hear the word Qatar or any Middle Eastern country, my doping red flag just goes way up. Bahrain. People say, oh, don't, don't be like that. But to me, that shows it's all about the money. You're willing to run for money, so wouldn't you be willing to dope for money? But I mean, I mean, this this is weird in the sense also that like this wasn't viewed as a generational talent. The coach, the agent, doesn't even know what like what the story was behind her five thousands. Like maybe she was pacing. Here, here we are, seven months later. She's would be the world record holder, the fastest ten thousand meter runner ever, if somebody else wasn't beating her. Okay, well, that's our best shot at explaining Valencia again. I don't know. I mean. But, John, you, you undersold it. You've spoken to people closer to these women. Where else are you going to get that? Nowhere. But the one other thing I was going to say about this race is, you know, look, we're trying our best to put it in context, but I do wonder, Safan Hassan or Latessa Bagide, these women we saw back in 2021 broke the 10K world record twice in the span of three days on the track running 29 O's and I think could have gone a lot faster. They basically just followed the wave lights and kicked. You put them in that kind of shape in super shoes in this race. I think they run faster than 28 46, uh, maybe a good deal faster. If the track really is slower than the roads, like we think that's kind of a hypothetical. We might not get an answer to, but yeah, if if you told me that Gadeo Hassan ran this time, I would have been like, "Oh, no way a woman could run this time." I would say, "Yes, it is possible." I think what's the crazy thing is it's not one of those. It's women who aren't as well known or accomplished on the global stage. And two eleven, two thirteen in the marathon. There's tons of U.S. men that can run like twenty eight minutes and can't come close to that in the marathon. Twenty flat. 
Hell, Weldon Johnson, 2806 in the, in the 10,000. I think his marathon PB actually was when he was pacing Paula to her 215 world record. So a 28. It's true. Well, no, I, when I paced her to her 217 world record and I ran 218. But I think you're on to something. Guys, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be joining you guys. I mean, Immaculate and Yango. Like, legit, none of us had ever heard of her. We had to do the World Athletics refresh on Agnes and Gedich. But if she's running 28.57, the course could be a little short. Or the shoes, I think, could be way more influential for women than men. Or maybe we'll just find out both sexes. The roads are just way faster than the track. There's a reason they didn't allow these things on the track. They're clearly faster than track spikes, I think. So the same whatever, 35 mil, whatever it is, millimeter stack height shoe is going to be proportionately bigger on a woman's frame than a man's frame. So maybe bouncing down the road, we're going to see more crazy times with the women than the men. And we've been seeing these bigger picture things as well, right? Like more women are taking up a sport in Kenya in Ethiopia, times are getting faster generally. Compound that with boom, craziness with shoes. And people want to throw other things on top of that. Go ahead, speculate all you want. But I think shoes are more likely explanation or the course being slightly short. Right. We've talked a lot about, well, I've talked a lot about how we're sort of in a transition period as records get broken every year because we're still getting to see we're getting a bigger sample size of what athletes can accomplish in the shoe shoes. And you look at Houston, the American record the last three years has been broken three times by three different women at the Houston Half Marathon. So I think that also shows, hey, the shoes are just allowing them to hit a higher level of performance. And look, these these world records, uh, 211s, 213s on the women's side, 28, 46, a couple of years from now, could it come out that a few of these athletes are suspended for doping? Absolutely. But I don't think every single one of them is going to be suspended. And the cynics out there would say, well, they're all doping and you can only catch a couple of them. But I think at least my opinion would be, no, I, I don't think they're all doping. A few of them might be, but I think some of them are, these are genuinely just the best athletes in the world. Their shoes have allowed them to access a level of performance never before attainable. And a few years from now, we're going to have record books that reflect that. But let's be honest. Uh, we were talking off air before this thing started. And Weldon said, would it really shock you? I mean, would you like not believe it at all if it came out that Ali Kipchoge was doping? And I would think, I've always said, like I have heard from a Kenyan that he was, you know, that he is clean. That's what keeps this Kenyan in his sport. But well, in a minute, like at this point, nothing would shock us. Like, it's not just running. People cheat in baseball. Houston Astros. People cheat in football. New England Patriots. Has the Dallas Cowboys ever been found to be cheaters, John? I don't think so. America's team does it right. Jerry Jones is all about ethics. Doing it the right way. But. Well, speaking of the Houston Astros, two-time World Series champions, uh, let's move to Houston. It was a big weekend in Houston over this weekend. They had a big playoff win on Saturday with the Texans. Then Sunday morning, got the Houston half. 
And a number of interesting results from this race. So the half marathons, let's see. First of all, they were won by Jamal Yimmer of Ethiopia. It was basically a five-way kick in the men's race. He takes the title 60-42. He also won this race in 2020. Wesley Kip, too, the runner-up for the second year in a row, 60-43. And then the top Americans, Bia Simbasa, fourth in 60-45. And Diego Estrada was fifth in 60-49. I was like, Diego Estrada? He's still around? He's still around? Yeah. He ran a PB. He won this race nine years ago. He was the 2015 Houston Half Marathon champion in 60-51. Never ran faster until Sunday. He was fifth in 60-49. So... Good for him. Galen Rupp decided to hang back. He was with the second pack. And then when the second pack kind of splintered, he ended up with the third pack. He runs 62-37 for 14th place. And on the women's side, Satume Kabede of Ethiopia pulls the upset over Helen Obiri. Obiri really fell off over the last 5K. I think it was about 16-44 or so. Kabede wins it 64-37. She's in the top 10 all time now. Obiri second, 67.07. And then fourth place in her debut half marathon, Wayne Kaladi, 66.25 American record. We will talk about the full marathons a little bit at the end because there was some results there that were of interest with U.S. Olympic qualifying situation. But the headline from a U.S. from a Let's Run perspective here is Wayne Kaladi, 66.25 American record. Well then. For sure. Let's give her her due. Wayne Kalati is your American record in the half marathon. I think this was... People have talked about her possibility of being having great success at the longer distances, despite not running very much. I mean, if she can really train, she could be, I think, the next sort of American great marathoner. But you got to put in the volume to be a marathoner. I don't, I don't know a way around that one. But I... This, if you break the American record in your debut, this is an A-plus performance. There's no other way to put it. I mean, I had high expectations. I thought she'd run fast. Maybe we should have written something down on paper, but I, I don't think I would have said American record, I don't think. Like, no way, right? Like I, No, I would have said a time low 68s. That's probably a success, given she'd made, made a massive jump up in her volume during this buildup. Uh, I knew she was... a talent for the long distances i think we all kind of viewed her that way given she was an ncaa 10,000 meter champion in college she was an ncaa cross-country champion in college she'd won a slew of national titles on the roads the last couple of years or manchester road race you know i was like she has all the makings of a good half marathoner marathoner but to come out and run significantly faster than emily sisson ran in this race in 2023 Emily Sisson ran 66.52 here last year. Kaladi ran 66.25. The American record was broken again in between. 66.39 by Kira D'Amato in July 2023. But for Kaladi to do that first time out, yeah, the A-plus uh, exceeded all expectations, I think. And you know, naturally, people are going to be like, oh, what's she going to be able to do in the marathon? That sort of thing. And I do... Like she's got a chance to make the Olympic team in the ten thousand. She's going to be running the track trials, and I don't think she has the kick of an Elise Cranny or even uh, an Alicia Monson. But you know, if you show up, if you're in 
66, 25 half marathon shape, she's going to be capable of running a very fast 10,000 this summer. And that might be enough to get her on the team, uh, depending on how the race plays out. She is. She could make the Olympic team, but she also, John, she doesn't have the standard in the 10,000. You need to run 30, 40. Her PB is 3104. Now, hopefully she can get that. But the disappointing thing to me, this isn't really a criticism of her, but Robert and I both went there immediately. We're like, wait, the America's best half marathoner isn't running the Olympic marathon trials. The half marathon to me has no utility on its own. Okay, I remember Paul Turgot being the first guy to break an hour. thought that was cool. There, But to me, the half marathon is a stepping stone to the marathon. So I think it kind of sucks she's not running the trials. I mean, John's like, well, she hasn't been doing the training for the marathon. Of course, she's not ready. I just wish she was running the marathon trials. She wants to be an Olympian. I think they should have factored that in somehow and had her debut there. Yeah. Obviously, it would be more exciting if she's in the trials race. But I think, you know, I told Stephen Haas, a coach, about this, and he was pretty open. Like, she was concerned about moving up in mileage. She was always, she's always been pretty low mileage. She only runs six days a week, which is fine. A lot of America's, you know, Connor Mance does that, and he's amazing. But she wasn't doing long workouts. She'd do like four or five miles of volume. Uh, sorry, of quality in her workout. So long runs, I don't think she'd gone much beyond 13 miles before this cycle. She wouldn't really go above 60 miles a week. Like she wasn't training like someone who could, oh, just step up to a marathon immediately. And I think because she had had success with that kind of training, she was hesitant to sort of push the envelope too much. So I do give Stephen Haas credit for sort of saying, hey, you know, I think you can get even better if you boost up your mileage. Obviously, it's a fairly sort of, that's nothing controversial. Like, as you get better, one of the best ways to improve as a runner is to run more miles to a point. And she clearly wasn't at that point. So I think now the exciting thing about this is this shows, hey, you can still make survive with running more miles. Your body can handle it. You can thrive on running more miles. You can run this great American record performance. I think long-term, clearly this is very exciting for her prospects as a marathoner and a half marathoner, but you know, marathons really where they hand out the big prize money, the big medals, all that sort of stuff. But I, I do wonder, Weldon, like if you told Wadey Kaladi how this is how it's going to pan out, would she have, tried to do this last year like instead of running the 2023 2024 houston half she's like oh let's run the 2023 houston half see what i'm capable of and that then you know if it goes well that can position her for an actual time to build up and put herself in contention for the 2024 marathon trials because at this point you know she's not going to get a chance to make an olympic marathon team until 2028 when she's going to be 31 years old when I just have the qualifying go to like the day before the trials, you hit the stand. I mean, granted, you have to like verify there's something, but if someone of this quality, they could real quickly like within, the, within a day say, yeah, that's a legit time. She gets to run the trials, but but wait, well, all right, thought experiment. Wayne Claudi, they USATF says, hey, she's allowed to run the trials. She hasn't been building up to run a marathon. She's she was planning on running US Cross next week uh, to try to make the World Cross team. If she just if they said, hey, you're allowed to run the trials, what would she do? I think she'd blow up and fall apart. Yeah, that's kind of what I think, too. But I mean, 
but I, but the hope, the potential would be there. It's, it's, you know, it's not about how you do it at the casino. It's when you walk into the casino, John. Our favorite <laughs> I was one. like, I smell this analogy coming. It's the casino analogy. But no, as observers of the sport, it makes it way more interesting for us. If they say, if Wendy Claudine and Paul Chalimo, untested at the marathon distance, just show up and run the trials in Orlando, we're going to be say, saying, oh, man, what do you think they could do? Like, these are super talents. It's going to be awesome. But. You know, in reality, we don't know. That's what that's what makes us excited as fans. Is it in their best interest as athletes? You know, I don't know. Yeah, and I say she'd blow up. That's pre-Super Shoes. Who knows? Maybe with Super Shoes, she could spring her way down the road. I don't know. But even this whole thought experiment, we've always, we sort of, Robert and I have joked at times, we should do this. I'd be interested to see, like, after NCAs are over, we just take, like, the, maybe the top man, top woman, or just whoever it is, and we're like, we have a plane. There's a marathon tomorrow in Tokyo or something. Get on. You have to go run it. How fast can you run? Like no training for it, just to see if some of these guys would or girls would hit it out of the park. Yeah. You tried to do that with Graham Blanks, right? Well, the, the, the thing about Kaladi though is I am thinking back. I'm like, hmm, who was in her situation last year? And again, she's not running the trials. She's not qualified. But who's someone who qualified with the half marathon and showed up and was basically just trying to finish the Olympic marathon trials, get some experience, uh, maybe top 10 on a great day. Molly Seidel goes in with low expectations. No one's thinking she's going to make the team. She goes in there, gets second, and then six, well, not six months later, a year and six months later, she's an Olympic medalist. So, you know, what is there a scenario where Wayne Kaladi just shows up and hangs with the lead pack for a while, and then suddenly there's five miles left and she's still there and she makes the team. I mean, I, I wouldn't totally rule it out, but yeah, I think if I had to predict on what she would do without preparing specifically for the trials, I wouldn't have her making the team. You uh, forgot to also talk about how they're both former footlocker and NCAA cross country champions. I, sorry guys, I had to step away. Have you guys been spending the last 10 minutes just praising me for saying Wayne and Claudia should move up, stop wasting your time on the track. She's finally done that. I mean, well then, so, somewhat similar. Baldwin basically was saying, hey, maybe she should have moved up a little earlier and she could have run the marathon trials. Coach Stephen Haas deserves some credit. Coach Sharon Locchetti to the New York City Marathon Championship. Now he's got the American record holder in the half marathon. Yeah, he was very excited about them getting to train together. He's like, this is the cool thing is if Wayne moves up to the roads, the half marathon, the full marathon, she can train with Shannon. Sh- sorry, Sharon. And Sharon can train with her. Like, that's good for both of them, that they would have a, a top training partner. So he was very excited about that prospect. Okay, the other thing about this race, I mean, Kaladi's performance, obviously, is the highlight from a U.S. perspective in the women's race. A little further up, I mean, Satume Kabede, I think deserves some props. This was the fastest half marathon ever run on U.S. soil, and also taking it to Helen O'Beary. You know they were running together for a good chunk of it. And O'Beary, I don't know if it was because it was kind of cold and a little windy at the end, or what was up. She was just not herself. The last five kilometers, she faded quite badly, and I think we're just so used to O'Beary being incredible that it's kind of strange to see her look human like this splitting 1644 
I don't know. She, I haven't seen any sort of statement after the race, about, but maybe it was just a bad day for her. So she gets beat. Kabede is your winner. Um, moving to the men's side, interesting race up front. You know, comes down to a sprint finish essentially, and Jamal Yuma times it correctly. He's your champion. We'll get to Diego Estrada in a second because I was very impressed with this, but we need to talk about Galen Rupp. He's the guy people were looking at going in three weeks out from the Olympic marathon trials. He runs 62-37, 14th place. Never really tried to run with the leaders. The idea of him trying to unlock that third spot by running a fast half marathon, he never really went for it. I don't know. I look at this, I'm like, all right, it's fine. It, I, I don't think it's a, it's not that fast for Rupp. You know, it's only 15 seconds faster than the women's world record, but I don't know. He might be in the middle of like a 130 mile week and he's getting ready for the trials. So my takeaway is it's kind of hard to know what to make of this without knowing the whole context, but I'm not saying like, Oh man, he totally bombed. He's not going to make the team. What do you guys think? I agree. You can't say he totally bombed. He's not, not going to make the team, but this was sort of on the back end of what I would call a decent performance by him. Sound like he ran 104, but John, you said he's what 15 seconds ahead of the woman's world record. I mean, that's kind of touches on what we were talking about before how crazy fast some of these women's road times are getting. I thought he'd run faster, and he wasn't on the screen for very much of the race, so it's kind of hard to tell. But he, he looked and he looked like he was hurting. He was grimacing, you know, the final hundred meters that he was actually shown on the broadcast. But I would have said if he's anything under sixty-two, like cool, book him on the t- on the team. This is like. A little bit slower, but again, we don't know the full context. And his splits weren't good. I mean, it was into the wind at the end, but you see, John, this is from your article, 1441, 1430. Okay, so he picks it up. Maybe that's into the wind, with the wind. 1507, 1517. Yeah, the last 5K was into the wind, most of it. The 1507 before that, though, that wasn't as much into the wind. That, that would be a little concerning if you're going to be concerned. And we'll talk about kind of first look at the Olympic marathon trials in a minute, but am I leaving him off my team because of this? No. Am I still probably putting him on my team? I think so. Look, we devoted a whole podcast on Friday to talk about Rupp. When I was preparing for this podcast today, I did a lot of research on Rupp. When I saw this time on Sunday, I thought, wow, that's the back end of what I was. I mean, that's about as slow. Like, on Friday, I'm like, he's on the team. When I heard he was racing, when I read his pre-race quotes in the David Monty article, I'm like, he's on the team. And I'm like, Sarah Hall is not on the team. Then I actually read Jonathan Galt's article on Sarah Hall and said she's in good shape, so I didn't totally back off. Maybe she has some chance, but I was so harsh to her on Friday. But when I saw this time, I was like, man, that makes me a little bit nervous. But Ultimately, I trust Galen Rupp, the greatest long-distance talent in U.S. history. I know he's getting older. Father time is undefeated. But let's go back to these pre-race quotes. That's the thing, though. He was talking so big. This has been on the schedule for a while, so I'm really looking forward to being here. It's my first time to racing. This is 
a time to get in a real hard race effort. I think all the marathoners here dropping down to run the half are deep into training, kind of at the end of a real heavy block of training. I think this is going to prepare me really well for when it's time to run the marathon. So he admits to being in a huge block of training. This is not a fresh Galen Rupp. But go back three years ago, he was running three weeks before the, the trials. He was running 61-19. Admittedly, it was a downhill course. Do we know how much downhill that was, to, for, excuse me, four years ago? I don't know. I don't think that's that important. But my takeaway here, Robert, is it does – like if you're going to criticize here and say like, oh, it is time to be worried, I think your logic would be the following. Ahead of Chicago, he was talking quite confidently – said things, training's going well, things were going well. The race was going well for a while. He was on track to get the Olympic stand for a while. And then he faded, he peed out, he didn't get the standard, he finished as the third American. And you could look at Houston and see something similar, that first half of this race went well. He was talking, you know, ahead of the race, he felt pretty good about where he's at. Granted, he said he wasn't in, you know, tip-top half marathon shape. And then the second half of the race, he faded. And some of that was into the wind, but some of it wasn't. So if you're going to be concerned, it would be that, that yes, he feels good about what he's accomplished, but his last couple of races, he has slowed down fairly significantly uh, towards the end. But the interesting thing with Rupp is, and this has been posted in on the message board as well, great thread on Rupp in the message board. There's no real correlation between his half marathon success and the marathon. In fact, it might even be negative correlation. Like 2017, April 1, Rupp runs the Prague half. He runs 61.59. 16 days later, he wins the Boston Marathon. He finishes second in the Boston Marathon. 2000, the next year, he runs 59.47 in his half before Boston, March 11th. What does he do in Boston? Drops out. Well, yeah, that was the the insane storm year, though. I, I give everyone who dropped out of that race a pass. But don't ruin his narrative, John. Don't ruin his narrative, please. 2021, Rupp ran four weeks out from Houston, from Chicago. He ran 61.52 in the half, runs 206.35 in Chicago. Now, admittedly, he's significantly slower than this. But, you know, he's no longer a lock for me. But I still, st- still think I'm going to pick him. But it's a little bit concerning. But that gets me to two message board posts that I love, both from Supporters Club members. By the way, if you're not a Supporters Club member, join the Supporters Club today. Let's run.com slash subscribe. We've got a bonus podcast, extra forum features, access to all articles, shoe discounts, free shirt, much more. John Wesley Harding said, I don't think he's a dark horse to make the team at all. He ran 2848 three months ago. He's made so many U.S. teams. He's the best gamer in U.S. distance running history. Obviously, he's not the athlete he was 10 years ago, but today's race wasn't really a bad sign. This is in the point of the marathon buildup when it's difficult to run a half much faster than your goal marathon pace. He ran the second 5K at 61 low pace, and that was too hot for him at this moment in training. But it's sort of a good sign that when he was hurting in the later stages of the races, he was still trucking along at 208 marathon pace, a pace that's probably deeply ingrained in automatic. 
There are exceptions to the rule, but many marathoners, especially of Rupp's age, become real grinders whose legs are tethered down by the 120 miles per week, except for twice a week when they take the taper and the chains come off. I would not be surprised if three weeks from now Rupp is able to cook off 15, 10, 5Ks quite comfortably, putting him very much in content- contention to make the team or even win. But I've walked to him. I get fond of these guys when they reach their upper 30s and have to really and have had their share of setbacks. I like that logic. I, I trust Rupp in the marathon. Am I fully confident? No. I mean, the reality is, and I also posted this on the message boards, is you know, someone was like, oh, you, 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 someone had some formula. You sold him down by 3%. You know, he's going to run 208. He's going to make the team. By the way, I think if he's in the same shape that he was in Chicago, he could still make the team. It's probably not good enough. I think he's going to be a little bit better than that. But there were four Americans that beat him in this race. B.S. Mbasa ran 60-45. Diego Estrada ran 60-49. Andrew Colley, 61-39. And Ryan Johnson. 62-31, unheralded Ryan Johnson. I was asking, well, do well, you think our dad had another kid out there? Like this guy you know, I've never heard of has our last name. He was like running the regional meet last year in college in 10K. Now he's beating Galen Rupp. What a scalp that is. He, he must be related to you guys. Johnson's such a rare name that I have to assume he's related in some way. But yeah, Andrew Colley just beat Rupp by a minute and a half marathon. We're trying to like pawn this off as a good performance. No. I'm not trying to point it off as a good performance. I'm saying it's worrisome enough that we're having this conversation about it. But Galen Rupp has accomplished what he gets more benefit of the doubt in this situation than the average runner, you know, with him his track record of putting it together at the Olympic trials. Oh, it's not a good performance at all. It, it, it's it's like the last about as slow as I would be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But as I posted on the message board, you know, I actually, someone says, you know, slow him down. He rubs on the team. He's exactly where he needs. This is not exactly what he needs. No, that's a lie. Rupp is not the same runner that he was four years ago. But I, I was like, you know, if he, this is exactly where he needs, then what about the four guys that beat him? Are they all going to be in the team too? So we're going to send five to Paris, even though we're only guaranteed two. But, you know, if, if you want to critique the other guys, B.S. Mbasa, he always runs. He ran 60-45 in Valencia. Well, guess what? He always runs 60-something around that time. He ran 60-37 in Valencia in 2022, 60-42 in Valencia in 2023, and now he runs 60-45. He's never broken 210 in the marathon. Diego Estrada, he's 34 now. He's never broken 211 in the marathon. He's had a lot of cracks at it. Andrew Colley, yeah, he beat Rupp by more than a minute, but he's never broken 211 in the marathon. So Rupp is a proven marathoner. He's a proven gamer. Okay, yeah. I think we've made this point several times. The other result I wanted to discuss here was Diego Estrada because I saw him at the front of the race. He has a very distinctive running style. There's no mistaking Diego Estrada. So I was like, yeah, that's definitely him. And he's leading through 5K. He's got a lead of four seconds, I believe. Hit 5K at 14.17. I'm like, what's this guy doing? Like, Diego Estrada, he hasn't done anything for years. You know, he hasn't really been relevant for a while. And then I looked at his results afterwards yesterday, and, and 
he actually had done a few things in 2023. So maybe I, I wasn't being totally fair, but I was like, he's he, the pack's just going to catch him and he's he's going to blow up. That's not what happened. The pack caught him. He hung with them the entire time. He did get you know out kicked at the end, but still posted a very respectable fifth place, 60-49. And I think the 2015 version of Estrada that ran 60-51 in the non-super shoes, still the better athlete. But I was impressed by this. I was like, what's he been up to? Well, he did run 28-19 on the roads last year in the BAA 10K. Those were in pretty hot, steamy conditions. So that was a pretty good result. And then I see he's running some half marathons in Stockholm, Sweden. He'd run like 63-42, in these like low-key races. Went on the message board. I was like, what's he been doing? There was a post back in September from Poster Nordic. Diego Estrada is making a comeback and has a new Scandinavian coach, Yanni Bengtsson, is going all in on double threshold training. Will he make the U.S. Olympic team in the 10,000 in Paris? I mean, I feel pretty confident the answer to that is no, but it is kind of interesting to see him reinvent himself and he had a post on Instagram afterwards. He's like, took nine years to better my personal best. Just about everyone gave up on me. The most important people stood by my side, gave credit to his family and to, to his new coach. I just think it's kind of cool to see someone who'd been around for the sport that I think a lot of people had forgotten about come back and then this is a solid performance. So I thought it was exciting to see him up near the front. I, I don't get it. Just someone help me. Why isn't Dago Estrada? Why isn't Wayne Claudia in the marathon trials? This is insanity to me. He's going to make the team on the track? Well, no. I don't think he's going to make any team, but he's not listed among the entrants on the marathon trials right now. Diego really must hate the marathon. Or maybe he started this comeback too late. Because the track trials, regardless, if you think you can get top three, you got to hit the damn standard, pretty much. That's way harder. U.S. men's marathoning is, is weak as F right now. That brings me... I think the posts of the week, well, secondary posts of the week by Big Beard. He was talking about Rupp. He pointed out what we said, so I won't read the whole thing, but, but that Rupp ran 102 twice in 2017 before winning Chicago and getting second in Boston. But he says, I think the pacing issue is what concerns me most about this one, but I am not writing him off yet because our men's marathon field is weak as heck. So Big Baird, I agree. Everyone should go to shop.letsrun.com to get a super soft running shirt. Big Baird, you get the Let's Run.com shirt of your choice. You get the Let's Run shirt, the 159, 49 shirt. I mean, these are great shirts, super cool, super soft. They can't go wrong. My dad was here this weekend wearing the long sleeve. You wake up with this thing, wear it with your cup of coffee. Great way to start the day. But, John, the actual post of the week, or I should say post of the week, the most voted post of the week, just trying to confirm this, yes, the two most updated posts of the week were by Skin and Bones, who is none other than Mike Scannell, the coach of Grant Fisher. In case you missed it, we had a great talk with Grant Fisher on the podcast last week, how he's left the Barrowman Track Club, gone back to work with his high school coach, 
Mike Scannell. I'll just go there now. I've been saying I'll have the best thing in running every week. Grant, working with his high school coach, this is the best thing in running this week. What other sport? Seriously, can some guy who's like a retired teacher, was he a teacher? I don't even know if he's a teacher. Some retired guy in Arizona can sort of like, this is the dream, man. He's like brought in to coach the Dallas Cowboys. He gets America's best distance runner right now and gets to coach him. This could only happen to running. There's no other sport. Like maybe at the Dallas Cowboys, why don't they just go and hire the top high school coach in America and get him, let him have a go at it. Some offensive wizard. Seriously. Well, I feel like it's because it's an individual sport. I feel like this could happen in tennis. You can go back to youth coach in tennis. You can go back to what about golf? You can go back to, I feel like individual sports, it absolutely could happen. It couldn't happen in a team sport. Well, the Dallas Cowboys, if you're not going to hire Prime or John's guy, Belichick, they need to hire a high school coach. But John, don't ruin my thing. The best thing in running, Mike Scanelli coaching Grant Fisher. And speaking of such, John, I've received a text from Mike Scannell. Now, he may not know how to Scannell. I just want to, there's the pronunciation guru. I believe Grant said it was Mike Scannell. So I think that's how we're supposed to be saying this name. Scannell? I think so. Sorry, Mike. Mike Scannell. I think it's fair to butcher his name because I'd never heard of the guy until last week. You got some leeway on that, yeah. Scannell. Um, And John, is this fair? I'm a member of the media. He texted me. I'm allowed to read what he says on the air, right? I think you have to use your judgment. What did he send you? Okay, I'll just read the relevant part, and you guys tell me if this was appropriate or not. Text of the week. Mike writes, The interview was great, capital G-R-E-A-T. And I wanted to post something so people would understand it's less risk than an outsider might believe. Smiley emoji. His training is simply going awesome. Exclamation. All capitals. And keep up the work. And keep up the good work. You're an icon. I think that's okay to share, Weldon. Especially since he posted many of the same things in the thread. He didn't include the icon, though. Weldon Johnson. Iconic. Was that directed at me or let's run? I wasn't sure. I'm taking it as me, but I, it's, I, I, although I'm playing myself up here, like all the great radio hosts do, I wrote him back and said, no, Mike, you're now the icon. And so this is not only the best thing in running. I gave Mike a free supporters club membership until. Was it until August, 2024? Pending results of 2024 Olympic Games? No, John. I gave him a little longer leeway. July 31st, 2028. The day after the end of the LA Olympics. I feel then we'll, if, if Grant has not progressed how he wants, his free membership will be canceled immediately. Could be canceled much sooner than that, but... Hell, Jason Garrett, I think, coached the Cowboys for eight years. So giving Mike only four, I don't know. Hopefully hopefully that's long enough for him to get the results we all want. Yeah, I mean, I imagine if he, if Grant hasn't seen some results within a few years, Mike might not be coaching him by that point anyway. So we'll, we'll probably know one way or another. But I appreciate Mike's enthusiasm and sharing his knowledge on the Let's Run message boards. I hope, hope he keeps it up. We'll link to those in the show notes. Always check the show notes. We got links of... 
all the relevant stuff in the show notes. And if you're not a supporters club member, you need to be because you do get our second podcast. You get the super soft shirt. As we said, join today. One other thing we need to talk about on Houston was the marathon itself. It runs concurrently with the half marathon. And usually we don't focus as much on it because the fields aren't quite as good as the half marathon, but there's some interesting stuff on the men's side. Zuhair Talbi of Morocco wins it, 206-39. Remember, he debuted with a fifth place in Boston last fall. So he actually already had the Olympic standard because top five in a platinum label gets you the Olympics standard. But this was a PB for him. Helps him make the case for Olympic selection. Uh, and then fourth and fifth place will be relevant for fans of American marathoning, which I assume is many people Fourth place was Patrick Tiernan, Villanova alum, now with the Puma elite distance team in North Carolina, Alistair and Amy Craig. He runs a huge PB, 207.45. That will very likely put him on the Olympic team. He's the second Australian to hit the Olympic standard in the window. He's the second fastest Australian of all time, only behind Brett Robinson's national record, 207.31. Terrific run for him. And then in fifth place was Hugo Edgardo Catraleo Tapia. I think it's just Hugo Catraleo for, you know, World Athletics purposes. He runs 208.44. So he didn't get the Olympic standard. But when you combine that with his silver medal in the Pan American Games last year, you get quite a few bonus points for that. He is going to move up in the rankings. He was 73rd. The way. We figure it, he will move all the way up into the top 65. So he'll push Scott Farble down, and so will Patrick Tiernan. Farble going into the weekend was 67th. He's going to be down to 69th. So considering no Americans ran really, really fast in the half marathon either, basically means we're not going to have that third spot unlocked by the Olympic trials. And it made it a little harder for that spot to get unlocked on May 5th after the end of the spring marathon period. Now, obviously, the more people hit these standards, the fewer countries there are left with like that could possibly pass the US. But 69th, you know, you need 11 more people to pass you. Uh, actually, 12 more people to pass you to move down to 81st. And I guess the concern would be Either you get people running fast like London or Seville or some of these spring marathons. But also, I got an email a couple days ago uh, by Carol Fuchs, who is based out of Toronto, involved in African athletics statistics. And she pointed out to me, have you thought about the universality places? I was like, no, I hadn't thought about those at all. But essentially, universality place, if a country does not have any athlete qualified, so they would, if they have zero men's athletes qualified in any events for the Olympics in track and field, they're allowed to assign their best-ranked athlete. Uh, that athlete is allowed to run at the Olympics without having a qualifying mark and in only one event. And it used to be you could use this universality place in any event, but they've changed the rules, and for 2024, you can only use it in one of three events, the 100, 
the marathon, or the 800 meters. In the 800 meters, they're capping universality places across all countries to three athletes. So you'd often get this. Most of them were just using the 100 meters. That's why we'd have that extra preliminary round, you know, at Worlds of the Olympics. But Carol pointed out, hey, if they're only limiting it to these events, you might see a few more universality places in the Olympics, and those count towards the 80-person cap on the Olympic marathon field. So I looked back, the last Olympic marathon, there was only one universality place. But this year, if there's like four or five, well, suddenly instead of taking the top 80 from the Road to Paris list, you're taking the top 75. And if Americans get bumped down by a couple more athletes, all I'm saying is I think the U.S. will still get that third spot, especially since every American is going to be running another marathon in Orlando. And if that goes fast, they could improve their ranking. But it's not 100% guaranteed. And these universality places, if a bunch of countries try to use that way to get an athlete in the Olympics, could complicate things. We're sure that they take away from the 80? They're just not an addition? So... Based on the Olympic qualification document that World Athletics released, they said 80 is a hard cap and included within it is these are these universality places. I have reached out to World Athletics for clarification. I haven't heard back yet. But based on my understanding and the way the document is written, they cool. are included within the 80 athletes and they are prioritized above those people getting in on the rankings at the end. The first 64 athletes who qualify on January 30th, unaffected. But it would go universality places first, and then it would go the remaining people getting in off the rankings uh, on May 5th. So as if this whole situation wasn't complicated enough, now we've got this to think about too. And there's total uncertainty because we don't even know what federations are going to send what athletes. I mean, many of these countries don't really have a, Many of them may just say, there's no point sending in a marathon or we're going to have some guy run like three hours. But who knows? Yeah. The question now is, can we find out how many might have, are being injured if there's something in advance? Because this would actually be big news. We've actually been wasting all of our viewers' brains and our time by talking about these things. Because the big picture for the Olympic trials has always been the American men were going to send three, most likely the top three of the trials. I don't know. I would say with like 95% certainty. I'd still probably say 95% certainty, but oh my gosh, if we only send two, that would be a different thing. We would need to have a few more people to hit the standard, a few more people to take the universal spots, and then there is no spot if you're not essentially in having, if your country doesn't have three with the auto. But let's turn to actually discussing the Olympic marathon trials. I think here we just want to outline sort of the top, top contenders. Just sort of get the names out there. And related to that, we have the voicemail of the week. Play parts of it. Here we go. Hey, my name is Hayden Hunt. I'm a D2 runner from Shippensburg in Pennsylvania. Just listened to the incredible Grant Fisher podcast, among the other topics. Um, I accidentally just gave Jonathan Gold a call uh, on my way home uh, Talked to him for about five minutes, and I'm making my marathon predictions here. Real quick, John, do you just the let's runners call you all the time and talk to you? Like, not very often. Hey, this proves it. Like, we are reachable. One eight four four. Let's run. 
I think option seven is the podcast voicemail, but there's like an option three for Jonathan Galt. And I, I guess it legit r- rings his phone. You can call me too, leave a message, talk to me. You just don't- I mean, don't abuse it, folks. But if you've got a legitimate point to make or real feedback for the podcast or, or Let's Run, yes, you can reach us if you need to. All right, carrying on here. Not sure exactly who to pick or even how the qualifying works, but I know um, we got the two automatic spots on the men's side for the sub 208. Running commentary. See, all the talk, all the time we talk about qualifying, he still doesn't know how it works. On the women's side, Emily Sisson. Um, I think Molly Seidel's going to make the team. And I think that Kira Diamato will get the third spot. And on the men's side, I think Connor Mann, Clayton Young, and Galen Rupp will be our three men headed to Paris. So those are my picks. I hope everyone out there has a great day. And, uh, yeah, send me that shirt. Peace. So there you have it. I think he said... Molly Seidel, Kier D'Amato, and Emily Sisson. Em- Emily Sisson. Those are for sure three, I-, I would say, of the top four. I would put... Um, Betsy Sina has to be the fourth, right? Yeah, Betsy Sina in there. I think... Uh, is there a big five? Maybe then Sarah Hall after that? Who am I missing? Alphine Tulimuk ran 224 in Boston last year she's the defending trials champion she's had some injury issues but i think you put her name in this in the conversation maybe sarah hall and then after that yeah i i would say those are sort of the main uh big names that doesn't mean that the team is only those are the only people who can make the team but i would say those are sort of the big the the favorites if you're going to create a group of favorites the big dogs like at the world cup when they have you know the Teams from Pot A. Those are the like these are the heavy stars, the heavy favorites. I think he did a pretty good job there. On the men's side, Rupp, Mance, and um Clayton Young, he had, right? Oh yeah, Young. I think for sure those three. I mean, Young and Mance have the only guys who run under standard, they have to be there. Rupp is a legend of the sport, the best American marathoner, arguably ever, one of the best. Oh, well, sorry, Frank Shorter, sorry, even Canucci, whatever. But well, Meb, there you don't have to. You Meb, don't have to say he's the best yeah, ever. So but he's one of the best ever. I think in your A bucket, what Fobble? Fobble has to be in there, and then you've got some guys who have run like one or two good marathons. But would they? Would you put them like right up with those big four, if you will? And that would be. Sam Chalanka, who ran 208.50 in Chicago, lost full, two seconds behind Galen Rupp. Zach Panning, who ran 209.28 PB. He was 12th in the World Championships in 211.21, so shows he can run pretty well in the half marathon. He's in the Hanson's Brooks team. Leonard Correa, 209.31. He was fourth at the last trials. Uh, he's run 207 as his PB, but that's from a while ago, 209 since the start of 2022. And... Yeah, that, I don't know if you call him like Teshomi Mekinen we've talked about has a 60.02 half marathon PB. He's never run faster than 2.10.16 in the marathon. But those are probably like sort of the, 
big dog. I would say there's four big dogs. I think the big dogs are Mance, Young, Rupp, and Schlanga. But sorry, Mance, Young, Rupp, and Fobble. Then those other guys and CJ Albertson, I think you could all throw into sort of the the next tier below. Do you think that's fair, Weldon? For sure. I mean, if we're throwing CJ in there. CJ is good. I mean, CJ Albertson runs like 211 with his eyes closed, and he did have a good Boston Marathon in 2023. He ran 210.33. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he made the team, but based on what they've done, I think you have to put Mance Young, Rupp, and Fobble ahead of him if you're making a rankings. CJ's best is 210, correct, John? He's run 209 on a treadmill, uh, but not in an actual marathon. But when you're talking 207, 208, guys, I, I don't think you can put him in the equation. I mean, B.S. Simbasa, he is a weird criticizing Diego Estrada. He was the fastest American at the Houston Half Marathon. He has entered in the marathon trials. Well, I, I guess I should confirm that. Is he entered in the marathon trials? Wait. He's run a 210 marathon. Why isn't he mentioned more? I don't know if he's entered in the trials. Oh, please, no. He has to be. Let's just double check this one. Oh, he is in. Okay, he is entered. Yes. Yeah, uh, BS and Bossa, I would say, yeah, in that next tier below. Good run in Houston, 210. Yeah, he's in the conversation. Wouldn't put him in the. A group, but B B group, probably he's around there. I mean, there's a I was looking back, well then, there's actually more guys than you think who've run 209, 210 the last couple of years among Americans. If I, I was you know, there were a few years ago we were like, when is an American ever gonna run two oh nine outside of Rupp? It doesn't happen. Well, the last couple of years you've got Mance two oh seven, Young two oh eight, Rupp two oh eight, Sam Shalanga two oh eight, Zach Panning two oh nine. Let it co 209, Footsum Zinus Alossi 209, Brian Schrader 209, Mac McDonald 209, Nico Montanez 209. I mean, there were eight Americans ran 209 or faster in Chicago alone uh, the last two years. Mekinen 210, Simbasa 210, Jill Ryko 210, Elkana Kabet, we should mention him. I mean, he was fourth in New York City Marathon a few years ago. He Needs to be in the conversation. Nathan Martin's run 210. Albertson's run 210. So more than you think. Obviously, those times, what they've, they're worth is sh- shifted over the last few years with the introduction of Super Shoes. But no, it's not like we don't have any r- one running 209 anymore. But 209 in 2024 is more like a you know 206, 212 from 2016. So can Sam Chalinga, the fourth fastest guy, be my dark horse pick Budweiser long shot for the trials, John? Like he doesn't qualify as a Budweiser long shot. When you run two oh eight in your last marathon before the trials, I don't think you can call him a Budweiser long shot. And you're NCAA champion, but he retired from the sport. It's coming back. I just think it's a great story. So I don't I don't know what you want to call it, but that's sort of a first look at the trial. Well, wait, does does he qualify as one of those guys? Robert's always saying like. He doesn't think people like Sarah Hall or Kira D'Amato who are, you know, in their late 30s or early 40s, if they haven't made an Olympic team by now, they're not going to make one. Does the same apply to Sam Chalanga, Robert? 
uh, because he has never made an Olympic team. He's gone out for a couple. You know, he hasn't been a U.S. citizen the entire time, but he is 38 years old and will be 39 uh, later in February. He's not making the team. But as someone said, East Africans age differently than Western people. So I think they can be a little bit better when they're a little bit older than us. Westerners have lived a, lived, lived a pampered life our whole existence. Sorry, guys. I had to step away for a bit of time. Snow day here. Baltimore. School's canceled. Plumbers are showing up. I didn't even know we're coming. Weldon's audio problems delayed everything. So y'all have already gone through the men's and women's teams? Well, we went. We didn't go through the teams. We kind of listed our main contenders. And we settled on, for the women, like we were saying, like these are sort of the, the big dogs. And the women's side, we said Sisson, D'Amato, Sina, Molly Seidel, maybe Sarah Hole and Alephine Tulliamuk. On the men's side, we said Mance, Young, Rupp, and Fobble would kind of be like the big four. And then you've got other guys who are a little bit uh, in the next group after that. Do you think we assess things? Are we missing anyone from those groups? Not really. I mean, for the men, there's only five men under 209. And for the women, there's six women under 224. But I don't even think 224 is going to do it. I mean, <laughs> there's three women under 222. <laughs> Sisson, D'Amato, Sena. Sisson and Sena are locks for me. I'm just trying to figure out who's getting the third spot. Well, th- the more I think about this race, Robert, I'm like looking at the women. I'm like, I'm starting to feel really confident about the three women I, I think are going to make the team. At the moment, it's Sisson, Sina, and Molly Seidel. I, I could see Kira D'Amato making the team. I mean, she set the American record in the half in July. So that one I don't think is crazy, but I don't know, I'm just looking like Sisson's really consistent. American record a couple of years in the half marathon. American record in the half marathon twice in the last couple of years. Sina is peaking at exactly the right time and just went, ran a pretty hot marathon, warm marathon in Sydney and won it. Like, I'm starting to feel really good about that group. And that, that's always concerning because four years ago, I was like, oh, three of these five people will be on the team. And then it was none of those five. But yeah, I, I feel very good about Sisson and Sina. And I think so I, I would probably have it between Seidel and Damado for that last spot, and I think I trust Seidel more. Wow! So, I mean, Seidel's half marathon, half marathon in Chicago last year. She runs two twenty three oh seven, and she'd had all those issues in the le- years leading up to it. To me, I'm like, if she can just get another build up under her under her legs, she's a good hot weather runner. I, I certainly feel very confident in Seidel as well. What about you, Weldon? Robert kind of weighed in with these two locks. Do you do you think there? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there are any locks in Olympic marathon trials, but I feel good about Sina and Sissom. What What about you? What do you say, Weldon? I think that's big news, John's locking Seidel on the team. I didn't lock her on the team. I said I was if I had to pick by a that. third person, I'd pick her. I thought for sure John wasn't going to say Kira Damato when he was very confident in free people. Uh, personally, I'm a big. Well, I'm a fan of Kira too, but. Molly, like, she's been through so much. She's an Olympic bronze medalist. She's her her A game is so good, and she's good in the heat. So I love that the potential is there. She just has to uncork that. But her performances for a while were just pretty much atrocious, and then Chicago performance was out of nowhere. 
and she's definitely on the right track, John, but she has to keep it going. But she's also shown she can do it when it matters. So is that enough motivation to get her where she needs to be? Because I don't think a 223 in a flat course performance, that type of performance, a 223 Chicago performance, I don't know if that puts you on the team. I'm, I'm with you on that, but I, don't, I think she'll be better. Because I remember talking to her before Chicago. She was like, yeah, this is all about the trials. Like Chicago, it's getting a race under our belt, but they weren't all that worried about that sort of performance. I think they thought she was going to run a couple minutes slower. The fact that she ran 223 was a surprise to them. But you got to remember how good this woman is when she's actually, you know, fit, raring to go. Obviously, the bronze medal at the Olympic Marathon in 2021, highlight of her career, but second in the last trials, uh, sixth in London in 2020, 225 PB in uh, bad weather that day, fourth in New York in 2021, uh, American course record. So the ones she's finished, that Chicago one, you could argue that might have been her worst result of the five marathons she's finished. All of them have, there's no bombs in there at all. Uh, obviously she dropped out of Boston in 2023. Oh, sorry, 2022. And then 2023, she wasn't really racing anything until Chicago because of the, you know, myriad of, of off the track stuff she's been dealing with. But I, I don't know, as long as she's kind of like rough for me, like that Chicago run for her last year was like, Oh, all right. That's a marker. And if she can just keep it going, from that race, I feel very good about her chances at the trials. But we don't know if she can keep it going. Have we been stalking her in Strava? And, you know, while Kira D'Amato hasn't done a lot in the last year from her recent standards, I mean, I was just looking her up. At least we know she's been racing. Breaking the American record in the half marathon? Yeah. No sense. In the, in the latter half of 2023. But, 17th of Worlds wasn't great. And then my most recent race, 69-12 for fourth, the BA half. That doesn't sound impressive, but the winning time was only 68-46, and she's only six seconds behind the woman who was the silver medal at World Cross this year and was fourth of the World Half Marathon like two weeks before that. So That's also a hilly and course, and it was cold and miserable for running that day. 60, that's, that's worth, you know, put that in. At a flat course, good conditions, that's like maybe a minute and a half or two minutes faster. I think it'd be cool. It, 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 it'd be awesome to see those D'Amato and Seidel battling it out. One thing we haven't said about the men, like Rupp's time was barely acceptable to me, but the dude's a proven power weather runner. Well, that, that's why, I don't know if this guy counts as a dark horse, but Zach Panning running 211 in Budapest, that was hot as F that day. Like, that was tough conditions for running. He acquitted himself very well. Like, 211 in Orlando might be enough to get on the team if it's, you know, one of the hotter days. And, you know, if it's cooler, well, he could probably run faster. And obviously, now he did run Chicago. When was it? His PBs from 2022. So he ran 209.28 there, which was a bit, you know, a fair amount slower than what Mance, Young, Rupp, Chalanga ran this year. But he was the second American in that race behind Connor Mance. 
And he, it's not like, oh, it's the only good result on his resume. He's done, he's run well in that. He ran well at Worlds. I kind of view him as a D2 guy. So this might be the Brian Sell of 2024. Hansen's guy, small school. He's put together a few good marathons. And this could be his moment. If he makes the team, it'll be sort of like Jake Riley in 2020. After the fact, you're like, oh, he's running well beforehand. Not surprising, but sort of right now, you're like, oh, he's on the outside, slightly looking in. But he's th- that run in Budapest was really good. Guys, I'll let you guys wrap it up. I gotta go. Snow or no snow, my wife was on an, at seven eighteen train in the city. So my kids had done a wonderful job of sleeping. Two of them, three year old and a six month old, somehow for two hours during this podcast. Amazing job, but I hear one of them yelling daddy now. It's probably not the six-month-old. But Hayden, our, our voicemailer, he said he wanted a free shirt. I think I said I would give out a free pair of shoes to the next voicemail we played. We haven't played one. I keep forgetting to play them. So, Hayden, you get a free pair of on shoes. I realized I had some on codes I never gave away. But, hey, who big shoe companies out there? Who wants to be the next big sponsor? Let's run. Hook me up. We got Olympic trials here coming up. Didn't. Weldon have like free massage boots that I never took advantage of. Now that I'm starting my comeback, I, I need shoes, massage gun, massage boots. Yeah, and you need it all. It is the good news is though, John, I'm not worried at all like about my sub three hour marathon. The fact that I've only run one mile this year, it's not going to happen in 2024. It's going to take me about a year just to get back to running and then I'll train and easily do it. I mean, if women can run like 27 minutes for 10,000 and like, well, they yeah, haven't I mean, done Times that don't mean what they used to be. Like three hours now when Super Shoes is probably like 3.30 from like five years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, it's interesting because I, I was thinking, oh, the natural comparison, Zach Panning is Brian Sell, but Weldon's mentioned the archetype for the last few trials is you had two kind of known quantities. Maybe you can debate whether Abdi Abdurrahman at age 43 was a known quantity, but he'd been on multiple teams before. But... You had Rob and Abdi, and then Jake Riley was the guy who, like, a year before the trials, you wouldn't have said would be on the team, but some of his recent results kind of pointed that way. I think Jared Ward was the same sort of thing in 2015. You had the two guys, okay, Rupp and Meb on the team. Everyone kind of thinks they're going to make it. Ward was the one who, a year out from the trials in 2016, was not, like, an obvious pick, but had a good year leading in and made it. Zach Panning could be in that spot this year, but... You know, so could Clayton Young. Clayton Young might be, already be that guy because Clayton Young's not someone who a year out from the trials, we would have said, oh, yeah, he, he's clearly in a great spot. But he had a fantastic 2023 and is peaking at the right time. So, And then you've got sort of Manson, Rupp are the guys most people would expect to be on the team, I think. But even Rupp, like, you know, the last, last two years, last two trials, people, everyone, I think, probably would have had Rupp on the team. 2024, you're going to have some people saying they don't think Rupp makes it. Uh, I don't think I'll be one of them, but yeah, when you're asking your top threes in Orlando, I'm definitely going to hear somewhere people are going to be picking someone other than Rupp. All right, Robert. Well, that's sort of our early look at the trials. Well, well, speaking of early look at the trials, how about early look at the weather? I think every week we should just say, what's the weather be like this Saturday? If If the trials were this Saturday, John, it would be ideal. For Sarah Hall, 46 degrees. I mean, that would be like perfect marathoning weather. But 
the highest temperature in the next, well, it's going to be 46, high 56 on Saturday, high of 60 on sun, Sunday, 68 on Monday. But next Wednesday, it's going to be a high of 79. So it's just, oh my God, next Thursday, high of 82. So, no, I've been looking at, that's the fu- funny thing about the Orlando weather is <laughs> I've looked at it pretty much every day the last week or so. Some days it's perfect for marathoning. Other days, when it's in the 70s, you're like, I wouldn't want to run a marathon in this. So, and it comes and goes. Like you get a couple days with 50s and then you got 60s and then you got 70s. It really could be anything, which is, is fascinating. I'm sure it's very frustrating. Like again, if you're an Olympic marathon trials hopeful, just don't look at your phone. Don't don't have the weather app open until you know three or four days before maybe. But for, as an observer, it's fascinating because we could get anything on the table. We could get a super fast race. Hey, maybe Galen Rupp wins the trials in 208 flat, and then we don't have to worry about having three people on team. We know there's going to be three spots, all that sort of stuff. But it could be super hot, and the winning time's 211.40, and it's Paul Chalimo, and who the hell knows what's going to happen. It's Anything's on the table. What if it was super hot? Should I respect it? I think I would, because I like to take the contrarian takes. Super hot, and Sarah Hall says, you know what? I'm not even trying this. I'm not a good hot water runner. There's no chance I'm going to do it. John's J- John's eyes are rolling. Yeah, John's one of these guys that says, follow the science. Follow the science. Science is, science what is else? What else would she do? You, I mean, you're saying like, John. oh, I'm not going to try it. What's the alternative for her? Running like Boston or something? Save yourself for Zurich, as Susie Favor Hamilton said. What is that for save her to yourself. save herself for, though? Boston. She's not going to win Boston, though. The Boston field's stacked. You got to do it, but you know deep down she's got no shot if it's warm. I don't think that I, – I wouldn't say no shot, but obviously she would prefer cooler conditions. She's not an amazing heat runner. And I bet Rupp's hoping for a heat wave. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Okay. That's our early look at the Olympic Marathon Trials. Uh, we'll go into definitely more detail two weeks from now in our pre-trials podcast. Next week, we'll probably touch on it as well. There's not as much happening in the running world this upcoming weekend. We do have USA Cross in Richmond. Robert, you were at USA Cross last year. Are you heading to Richmond again for USA Cross? I think the Ravens kick off like an hour later, so I'm, I'm guessing that's a no, but what's your status? What are we thinking about this meet? I'm always excited for the U.S. cross-country championships. I have requested a media credential. It's not early in the morning? No, the, I looked at the schedule, Robert. The The under-20 races are 12.30 and 1.15, then the open races, open women, 2 p.m., open men, 10, sorry, open men, 2.50 p.m. So men's race will be over around 3.20, and then the Ravens kick off an hour later at 4.30. I'm going to have people cancel their subscription to the com supporters club. Oh, I thought it was in the morning. I can't make it. I've got uh, friends 100. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've got, got an excuse. No, I, I also have a friend's 100th birthday party I got to go to from one to five. You have a 100-year-old friend, Robert? No, my two friends that are married, it's, it's 50 plus 50. I, I don't know why they would be, you know, they're older friends of mine. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm only, I'm only 
32. So you've got friends in a variety of age ranges. So, right? He and his wife are turning 50 and they sent out an invite saying 100% party. That's cool. A lot of famous runners will be there. Well, not famous runners, but famous running. Well, not. This will send people wild for speculation. Well, author running with the Buffaloes, Chris Lear will be there. He also is coming into town a day early. This is all I'm going to say. To tantalize, tantalize is the right word? Tantalize the masses. We're meeting with one of the most discussed coaches on Let's Run. Could another book be in the works? Oh, now I'm very interested. All right. By the way, John, the person that would finance this book effort approached Chris. He's like, I don't know. I've got kids, busy sales job. I think he also thought about having John, Jonathan Galt write the book. I guess they haven't contacted you yet, John. First time hearing of it. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get an update on that in the months to come. Till then, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Friday. I'm sure we'll talk about USA Cross and the Friday 15. So if you're not a member of the Supporters Club, let's run.com slash subscribe. Uh, until then, thanks for listening and see you again soon, guys. You did it again. You listened to the end of our full podcast. If an hour and a half of Let's Run a week isn't enough for you, you got to be a Supporters Club member. Join today, let's run.com slash subscribe. We'll get a second podcast every week. We need to do the math. I would say that one probably clocks in at, I was going to say an hour, maybe 45 minutes on average. Plus you get daily podcasts from Worlds, Olympics, that sort of stuff. Insider access, savings and running products. Join today. Let's run.com slash subscribe.